Welcome to the Salon Owners Collective Podcast. Each week on the podcast, you'll hear stories and tactics from experts and influencers who will provide you with actionable steps to transform your business and your life. I'm your host, Larissa McClemon, and I help salon owners move from stress and overwhelm to lead a life of freedom and profit by implementing a strategic framework to grow and scale their business. So wherever you are in the world, I want to officially invite you to join me in this episode and make an important step in your journey towards more freedom and more profit. Hey, thanks for joining me on the Salon Owners Collective podcast. What a wild ride we have been through and I know that uh, one of the biggest stresses over this period has been managing the team managing them their commitment their loyalty maybe their lack thereof uh, keeping their jobs keeping them employed or not as the case may be for some and also keeping them engaged bringing them back into the salon happily uh, and so I know for a lot of salon owners, and maybe you too, it's been a tough, stressful time. I certainly know this. But I want to encourage you that this too shall pass. And I truly believe that what you commit to and do in the next three months will determine the results and success of the next three years. And for a lot of owners, I know that that's going to be a challenge. Not everyone is going to survive this period, but I know if you're listening to this, you're one of the tough ones and, and you are the one, one of the ones that takes action. And how you manage your team plays a huge part of your future success. The world is recovering from COVID, but as we climb out of COVID, um, we kind of climb into a recession period. Uh, so it's not over. But also want to encourage you that in the hair and beauty industry, I don't believe we have to buy into the doom and gloom of a recession, to be really, to be really honest. Not in my opinion anyway. And <clears throat> your reality is what you make it. Your uh, approach to business and your survival of business as you step into this recession period is what you make it. It's almost, dare I say, a mindset. And in 2008, a long time ago now, uh, was the last global crisis. It was a financial crisis, so slightly different, but the same thing, right? The GFC. My salon grew the largest percentage growth that year in one year's growth. We grew 20%. And it was probably one of my first really highly profitable years. And the strategy was simple. Double down on coaching my team delivering clients what they wanted and then some and staying focused, not too many shiny objects. <laughs> like this is the time to double down on what works. Stick to the stuff that works and get the good results, right? So now I feel like it's time for you to focus your attention on your team. They are your clients. Your client clients aren't your clients anymore. Your team are your clients. And your team should serve your client clients. Your business is as strong or as weak as the weakest team member in your business. So, of course, you must focus on them. So, with this in mind, I wanted to share with you one of my stories of building a rock star team. Now, I've shared this before uh, quite a while back, but the message is as strong as ever. I went back and listened to it, and it's so relevant for right now and so I wanted to share it with you a best of 
flashback episode, if you will, one that's very relevant for you right now. So let's listen in and I'll connect with you again at the end. Let's dive in and talk all things team. We shall start there. When you come into the Salon Owners Collective Facebook group, I ask you a couple of questions as you arrive, mostly to get a sense of what your challenges are and also to check that you're a salon owner, of course, uh, is a place for salon owners only. But one thing that crops up a lot is that uh, is team and that they're hard work and that they cause you the most stress. It's the thing that keeps you up at night the most. That really was was clear to me, and I, I tracked all the reasons that you guys were giving me as you came into the group, and, and that was really apparent. So I really wanted to chat to you about this in this episode today. You need a strong team in order for your business to grow. Your team can be the strength or the weakness of your business. So finding and hiring the right people is absolute paramount to your success, right? Would you agree? I totally get it. Um, I've employed more than 120 stylists, oh my goodness, stylists, apprentices and support staff in my time as a salon owner. And it's absolutely no easy feat. The biggest thing that I learned while coaching, you know, with the Salon Owners Collective is that sometimes that we're in our own business, we're in our own business goldfish bowl. We forget to connect with those that we're trying to attract into our business. This goes for attracting potential staff as well as potential clients, of course. It's really easy to focus on what we want and what we need, but we also need to learn to put our past failures and fears behind us. It's when we look back and not forward that it's easy to miss amazing people coming into our lives and we assume that all staff will treat us badly. If we've had bad experiences as a manager or as an employer, it's really hard to let that go. And I decided a long time ago that I need a team, a strong team, if I was going to have any chance of reaching my goals. And I had big goals. <laughs> I had huge financial goals, although I never really believed that I could reach them at some point. And of course I did. I had success goals that drive me harder than the financial ones actually. I had lifestyle goals and they didn't include living on a weekly budget. I spent many a year behind the chair as the busiest stylist. I made the most money for the business and I can remember those days when I was out in front and the girls were out the back. I'd have to call them to the front when the client walks to the door. Like, does this happen to you? It used to drive me absolutely insane. I'd be busy, booked back to back, and the girls would be in between clients, and uh, they would be out the back on their phone or chatting, and, oh my goodness, and they used to smoke out the back. Now, those are the days when you could smoke inside. In New Zealand, you can't smoke inside anymore, but I'm just thinking about that now. That's hilarious. Anyway, I would have to kind of call out to them so someone could come and meet the person at reception. I mean, how unprofessional is this? Um, and I hated it. And for the longest time, I'm the one, I took home the same weekly wage. I remember it so clearly. It was $300 a week. I think that's what I earned as a newly qualified stylist because I left my apprenticeship six months after becoming qualified and I was earning $300 a week. It does sound like measly peasly amounts of money. So that was kind of like my financial barometer, if you will, for a long time. And, um, and that's what I could afford to pay myself. But I was the one earning all the money and the team was sitting at the back. Anyway, $300 a week did not get me far. Raising a team is freaking hard work, right? 
Uh, don't get me wrong, I loved each and every one of them in their own way, but it doesn't make it easy. I don't think they realised how it felt for me. Sleepless nights about the bills, feeling bullied into things, and, and, and into things that I knew in my heart of hearts was not the right move. So I had a choice to make, to stay the same and just get used to it, being broke, being bullied, being annoyed when I had to call them out or face up to my fears and gain back control of my team and my business and make a change and move forward towards my dreams, no matter how far away they felt at the time. And I guess let go of my past failures as a manager and my past wrong hires and step into the faith that I could actually attract amazing people into my business. So you can tell from my story and where I am now that, you know, we reached a $2 million turnover. I had a team of 30. The business grew. It flourished. And I learned so much along the way. One of the key things I learned around team was the one in three team rule. And I want to share that with you now. It changed the way I approached uh, the people in my business. I had this vision for my perfect team. It was like this goal or this destination that I was reaching for. Who I wanted and what position, the types of competitions that we wanted to enter and win, what types of clients we wanted to attract with this awesome and perfect team that I was trying to bring into my life. I could see it so clearly. If only my staff would just stay put long enough for me to gain momentum. I mean, honestly, it would feel like two steps forward, one step back, they would come, they would get settled and they would leave or they would get settled and someone else would leave or someone would get pregnant. And you know my backstory about uh, 14 babies in four years. But I discovered there was this general rule of thumb that was with every three people that I employed, they would fall into one of these three categories. Well, hopefully the first category, hopefully I would fall into becoming a long-standing employee. And in many cases, you know, six to 18 years, I would, I would consider those, you know, long-standing, even six years as a long-standing employee. And I had people, when I left at my 20-year anniversary, I had team members there that were 16 and 18 years long. The other category is the, and is the most average, was that they would stay for two years. Two years, that was the average. And then the other category was that they would last six weeks to six months. So they'd either come and stay, one out of three would stay and be a long timer, one out of three would be two years, and one would come and go anywhere from six weeks to six months. I did have one come once who left at lunchtime and never came back. <laughs> so you just never know. <laughs> Sometimes... <laughs> Sometimes you employ someone and they just don't fit your brand, right? They just don't fit the culture and that's okay. You're lucky, in fact, if they realize it themselves and either leave quietly or quickly or just sneakily out the back door at lunchtime. <laughs> um, not so lucky if they don't fit and they decide to stay. Yes, look, honestly, it's a pain in the butt all of the effort to employ them, to train them, pass clients to them. But if it isn't the right fit, it's just never going to be right. So celebrate when this happens because you actually can't be all things to all people because then you're actually being nothing to anybody. So celebrate when people come and they realize that themselves, that this is not the place for me, I don't want to be part of this and off they go despite it being annoying. I found that for younger qualified employees um, that two years was the average stay. 
it was kind of like the baseline, baseline of what I might expect for a great stylist or a therapist. They would come, they would do great work, they would make money, they would work hard, and then they'd move on with their lives and, you know, to live a life for sure. Babies were born, you know, like um, like once one starts, sometimes you have 14 babies. <laughs> uh, traveling beckons, you know, most 20-somethings needs to spread their wings and travel at some point. Or they move city for a loved one. I mean, I remember I had this gorgeous girl who worked with me. Um, from memory, she stayed less than a year and her fiancé was moving to another great city. He'd had this amazing job opportunity and, of course, she was going to go. The funny thing now as I think back is I tried to convince her to stay. I really wanted her to become my training manager. She was just so great. But, you know, um, no one's going to stay for a job over the love of their life. So what can you do? <laughs> But what we have to watch out for is any patterns that are outside of life as calling, right? I mean, like babies travel in moving cities. Those are all life as calling. They're moving on, moving up. Um, they're getting on with their lives. And we're just a small piece of that. And we should be grateful to be a small piece of their life's journey. But if you've got people leaving you to go and work for other salons on a regular basis, then it's really, it's time to take a good hard look at your business structure, your culture, your operations. It's time you made some changes. And those ch changes, I'm really sorry to tell you, but it's going to be you. Yeah, it's you. It's a hard pill to swallow, but there are a few reason that, reasons that you, you are killing your business. One of those is that maybe you've not created a career path from somewhere for them to continue to grow and step through. Like becoming qualified and just becoming a stylist and earning two or $3,000 a week is not enough. I mean, how long is that supposed to last and, and motivate somebody? Maybe you're not nurturing the culture to be supportive and creating a nurturing place where people have the right tools to do good work. Now, I'm not meaning like technical tools like brushes and lotions and potions, but, you know, uh, nurtured and supportive and trained how to be not just technically great, but to be all around great, training people to succeed. Maybe you're just a dragon or a grumpy boss <laughs> and sometimes you feel rightly so. I totally get it. You know, they can be so annoying and, and why don't they just do the work? I get it. But potentially you've created a them and us culture. If you feel that they're against you, then they probably are. And most probably because they don't believe that you trust them or that you love them or believe that they will do great work. And if you believe that, and have that them and us, then they will absolutely mimic your them and us culture back to you. If you don't give respect, they're not going to give you respect. Sometimes people just don't know what to do. They don't know what a good job looks like. And it's your job as the boss to show them the way to the promised land. Help them to win inside of your business. All right, so, okay, sometimes you might have just hired the wrong person. Sometimes you just, some people suck. They don't have a strong upbringing, maybe. Maybe they're not truthful and honest. Maybe they haven't learned that that's going to serve them in their lives. Maybe they've got a bad work ethic. But for the most part, if you're experiencing people leaving on a regular basis to other salons, then it's you and you've got some work to do. All right, those that love you, your culture, your opportunity that you give them, to grow and thrive will be your long stays. And if you're doing it right, it'll be people that you love to spend time with. I enjoyed some really very long and rewarding relationships with people on my team. 
They often grew into amazing managers or became good friends that I still love and cherish today. Even one became my bridesmaid at my wedding. Now, there is a line between friendship and the working relationship, but that's a story for another day. Once I realized there was a repeating pattern, you know, one and three will leave soon, and two will stay for um one will stay for two years and one will stay, quote unquote, forever, because six to 18 years is forever in a, in a business. <laughs> you know, it took away the pressure and my expectation in my own mind as to what my perfect team looked like and what I expected from them. I think I always used to feel like I'd failed in some way and maybe I'd failed them by not being what they expected or that what they wanted or what they needed from me. Now I had a new expectation on building a team and it was, yeah, it was a little bit more realistic. Also, I could let go of it being all about me and taking it so personally. As long as I wasn't having them leave in droves to other salons, quick sanity check there, then I was doing a good job and any reason they left was not about me. It was about them and that was an absolute relief. It also helped me realize that this was going to be a norm like I needed hair in advance to manage it and not feel surprised each time somebody left. Like I think I worked out that, you know, in each 12-month period, I was going to have, if, without growth, I was going to have three people leave. So I needed four people. Uh, I needed to employ four people, give or take. We had different years that was up and down. But if you start to think about it like that, then you can be prepared for it. You can create space for it and you can mentally align yourself for it. So with this in mind, I set about creating a plan that allowed me to manage this constant flow. You know, it's like a flowing stream inside of my business. And I planned out the journey from employee from the beginning. Like the first thing is attracting new employees. So I've actually got a guide for you about this, how to attract a rockstar team. So I've already shared that with you. I will put the notes in the show notes for this if you want to grab a copy of it. And it's not only about becoming an attractive brand but letting the right people know that you even exist before that they'll even consider that you that they want to work for you. Like most people don't just see a brand and decide overnight that yes, that's where I want to work. They consider it. They need to know you exist because at this point it's actually not about me or my brand. It's about them. They're the ones that are looking for a new opportunity and in their mind it's on their terms. I think too often we make it all about us. You know, we write about ourselves, our awards and our workplace and our amazing people and we, 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 and we, 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 we all over ourselves. Do you know, they don't give a shit about us. They give a shit about themselves at this point. And then we wonder why nobody applies. So anyway, grab the download. I'll add the link in the show notes. Um, okay. Once we've got the uh, attracting new employees framework we've got some ads and we've got a strategy to get in front of the right people then the interview and application process is the next step once i had a bunch of applications i needed to sift through them i mean i don't have time to interview every application i'm too busy you know so i needed a sorting process and once i had an interview process done and i found someone that's a good fit i need to send them a job offer what is a job offer i needed a process and that process led me to the induction process of new people. So they would know how we do it here. I actually think this is, as an industry, this is, we're not very flash at this. We let people arrive, especially if they've got years of experience and somehow we find that intimidating and then we think that they know how to do it. 
and say, great, off you go, go, here's your budget, go make $2,000 a week, off you go, toodaloo, see you next week. And then we wonder why they look lost or they don't make budget or they hang out the back room on their phone. So really we want to invest time up front and we want to induct her to the way that you do it in your brand. This is a must, regardless of how many years that they've been doing things. Expect people to do it your way. It's your brand that's it's your brand and your business on the line here. Like imagine the Hilton Hotel. We always, we always wanted to be like the Hilton. We always had this sort of epitome that we were aiming to be like the Hilton. But imagine the Hilton just left their team who have worked at other hotels to do it just how they like it. It's not how you build a brand. If everybody's just doing it in their own way. Now, you'd also, you don't need to make this induction process all about you. You know, you don't need to explain why it is you do these, these ways. You don't need to apologize for everything to make them do things differently or to do things long-winded. Just simply tell them, this is how we do it here. Now, of course, it doesn't stop here. Employees need con consistent attention and direction. But do you know what? That's a whole other story. That might have to be another podcast. I realized by now that you know, I realize now that I can look back objectively and my management team and I became absolutely obsessed with successes, building a strong culture, um, like a culture to nurture retention, manage change. I worked wonders and the business grew and I reached my ridiculously large goal of turning over a million dollars a year. What's more, we doubled that. Sounds interesting, right? Well, you can do it too, whatever your goal is whatever you want your business to look like. What's your, I'm keen to know, what's your experience of finding, employing and retaining a team in your salon? Come and jump into the Salon Owners Collective group because that's where I hang out most days. Come and tell me, good, bad or ugly. That obsession with systems and processes nearly didn't happen. Like I was so confused. I had a business coach back in those days. This is my early days when I just had one salon. And um, she was very expensive. She was not very effective. She would tell me what to do, but never how. I really found that really frustrating. There was lots of go create systems, she would say. Go create systems and process. So I said, yep, I mean, I'm a good student. If I'm paying somebody, I want to learn exactly what's inside their brain. Yep. So I set about going making systems and processes. And I would go out to my back room in my makeshift office. So I had this little random office that I'd made out the back. And I would go and create some time, what I now call tiger time, to make systems. And I stood there wondering, what, like, how do you make a system? How do I make it work? You know, like, how do I make it work anyway? But I realized that actually I was already doing processes and systems every day in my business without really realizing it. And it wasn't until I employed new team members, now I call them imports, those that I'd not trained myself and imported in with existing, with existing experience, you know, coming from some, somewhere else. Because I trained a lot myself. Oh, I had a whole training academy, so that was a big part of my success story, I do believe. But anywho, uh, when these imports would come in, they would do things differently. And they would do it differently to me and differently to my existing team and I realized we did have a way of doing things and they weren't following those processes and sometimes it wasn't until I realized uh, the differences that I could get clarity on what it is that I wanted so it was time to create I start 
I started with what became a so such an important document in my business. I was proud of it. We, we called it, this is how we do it here. That was the title on the front page. And it became a living, breathing document. It was housed, we had one in the back room, a copy at reception and uh, in my office. It was our code. And at first it didn't, you know, it doesn't feel like a very sexy thing to do to invest your time in documents and the written word. But our, this is how we do it here document became this living, breathing code that we all adhered to. We invested in it and it was the inner workings of my brand. Sounds very boring maybe, but it absolutely changed my business, business and it brought my team together in positive ways, you know, providing amazing service consistently. We started all to speak the same language and perform together as a team and our brand strengthened because we knew what it was. Now, just side note, that was a living, when I say living, breathing document, that didn't live in the drawer. Yes, it lived in the drawer, but it popped in and out of that drawer. Like it, it popped out of the drawer every day and went to work and we popped it away again at the end of the day. Living, breathing document. Yep, we wrote down everything that we did and we trained everybody on how to do those things to spec. We invested much time and much effort in training, educating, coaching our team to perform at their best. Better than me, in fact, that was kind of like my benchmark. If you can do it better than me, then I am winning as a business owner. <laughs> I didn't want to be the best performer in my business anymore. Like that did not serve me. I did not want to be calling out the back saying, hey, Jane, someone's at reception. Not cool. So I said about cloning myself and other team members who are doing amazing things, like it's not my way or the highway, like let's capture the amazing things that people are doing. And together we all learned how to, how to be amazing by following our own systems consistently. I kind of think, you know, without a team culture planned in advance by design with intention, the team just make up their own definition of how they would like to be. When you don't tell them how to do it, they will just put their own version in. I'm, I'm sure you've experienced this, right? So I said about giving love to those people. I shared, um, I shared love while implementing that structure. You know, like you know, not everybody wants to be structured, especially in a creative industry. So I did it with love and care and grace, and I learned how to coach my people with clear, regular communication that was reliable and consistent. I think we can underestimate consistency. People don't learn things from hearing it once. Remember that. People don't rem learn things from hearing it once. I led my team for to a vision for the future, where the business was going, where it was growing, and most importantly, how they fitted into the picture. Career path. They want to know they're part of something bigger that's going somewhere. Consistently Searching and employing new people is actually exhausting and it's expensive. Uh, but with systems and processes and a super strong culture and a really clear vision, it totally started to pay off. We started to build a, build a strong team and ultimately I enjoyed higher retention and more of the team stayed longer than the average two years. Phew, my evil plan was working. <laughs> um, Anyway, you can kind of tell there's a lot going on here, right? Um, and I would never have made it all work if I was servicing clients from behind the chair. Just saying, every time I dropped a day from behind the chair, my business sales went up. Now, in that sentence alone, that's a little bit underintuitive. But my team stayed longer. I became less stressed. I could focus on the things that were IGA, 
income generating activity. How did I fire all my amazing clients so I could grow my business? Well, I'll tell you about that on another day, I think. That's another, like, another whole episode in itself. But it is easier than you think. Hey, okay, that was a wrap. Now, uh, what I want you to do is I want you to think about what was the one thing from that episode that was a real takeaway for you? What was the one thing that you thought, yes, I need to do that? Or maybe it was a mindset change. One action or activity that really struck you when you were listening to that. Because maybe you're doing the dishes, maybe you're driving to work, maybe you're going taking the dog for a walk. Uh, if you can, get out a pen and a piece of paper or type in your notes one, that one action. Or otherwise intentionally log it in your brain because the problem is unless you intentionally decide and take action then it'll just be some thoughts that float through your mind so if you're a salon owner with a team of four or more and maybe pre-covid you are hitting seven or eight thousand dollars a week I'm looking for five salon owners who want to join forces with me and smash out a salon recovery plan over the next 30 days. If you're interested to find out more, I'm going to leave the link to chat with me in the Salon Owners Collective Messenger. Uh, you can come and chat with me, type the word recovery. I'll know exactly what it means and we can have a wee chat. All right, thanks for joining me again. I look forward to tuning in to your earbuds next week. Ciao for now. Thanks for joining me on another episode of the podcast. Tune in every week as I reveal the latest insights and advice on what it takes to truly master your inner salon CEO and master your salon success. Subscribe to the Salon Owners Collective podcast on iTunes or Spotify or visit us online at www.salonownerscollective.com. But make sure to join me in my Facebook group for answers to common questions and much, much more. Thanks for listening and I look forward to tuning in with you again next week.